<laughs> you know that thing that you're already doing that's getting you perfectly clean with the, the bathtub and the water and everything that you're washing that's working perfectly fine over the past thousands of years and I uh, want you to yeah that. use the shower now. just stand up just yeah. stand up and do the exact same thing like what I was perfectly fine laying here in the water <laughs> stand up and let water fall on you mm-hmm. instead just do that now like, hey. forever <laughs> I don't know dude Bathroom been working fine. It was working perfectly fine for ages. <laughs> I wonder what made people realize that, like, sho- like waterfalls. Mm. I think, like, waterfalls are the mm. reasons why showers exist. I mean, the, the, and the um, saving of water, conservation of water, too. Oh, really? Does yeah. it save water? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, guess, I guess you're right. Yeah, I'm using gallons of water for a bathtub, and I'm like, oh, it's going to drain out to, like, halfway because it's going to get lukewarm. Then I'm just no. running that bitch again. I mean, know? you're right. That's, exact, <laughs> that's exactly what I do. Yeah. I took a bath before the show now, yeah. and I think that's why I'm so relaxed. I fucking love oh, baths. Yes. It's like, got a bath bomb in there. It's mm-hmm. just like, shit's lit. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome back to the Fulfillment Play Podcast, everybody. My name is Brian Sheet. I'm here with... Chris Lucky. And today we're going to talk about Primer. Hey. But before we do any of that, let's do the catch-up, which I assume mm-hmm. we haven't, like, I was talking to Chris about this be, uh, off air. Yeah. We haven't recorded in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, and it's fucking weird. I mean, yeah. Because yeah. t- time for me, like, like, for me, I record a podcast every week. Yeah. So, like, when, an ep- when I upload an episode, I just, we recorded the last week. We just recorded, yeah. And when it happens, I'm just like, oh, wait, fuck, what happened? Yeah. Like, what do I have to talk about now? We have now? two full weeks of... Two full fucking weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what have you been up to? Uh, in those two weeks, I mean, just mostly of the same. Um, watching television, movies. Um, I started watching uh, Bewitched again. Oh, yeah. It's this uh, television show from the early 60s to late 60s. Elizabeth Montgomery, Dick York, uh, Dick, Agnes Moorhead. Dick York yeah. is a great name. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Dick York. Dick, yeah. Hey, what's your name? <laughs> Dick Jork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, started, started watching that. But it's just like um, when they originally aired um, with black and white television, 61 and 62, you know, was still black and white. Right. And um, now through technology, and it's 2018, now I can see those exact same seasons in color. Oh, right, because I guess they did record in color, and then they just broadcast it in black and white. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, and, and seeing it now is, is, I don't know, it's just the colors are vibrant. Like, people that have red hair, like, oh, okay, now I see why people are staring at you when that didn't make any sense in black and white whatsoever. <laughs> you know, someone walks in with, like, a bright red dress, and right. it's, like, stunning inside of a ballroom, and everybody's turning to it, but it looks the same as your purple dress and as your green dress. <laughs> you know, it's all the same. Man, color television fucking changed the world. It changed the game. <laughs> yeah, man. What about you? What you up to? I... I, well, I went to DC last weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was fucking great. All I right. love DC. Mm. Uh, I don't think I could live in DC because the atmosphere is so fucking chaotic. Oh, yeah. Compared <laughs> to like anything that I'm used to. Yeah. Like Seattle. Seattle's a city. That's chill. Yeah. But Seattle, everyone's like pretty relaxed. Yeah. And the streets are just kind of like, people know how to drive properly. Mm. The street lights make sense. Very chill. Yeah. The walkways make fucking sense. Mm. In DC, Everybody's fucking honking. Mm. There's a dude walking in the middle of the street. Very city. Like I, there's just like fucking like the street signs or like the the street lights are like in weird angles when you mm. don't really know what they correlate to. Yeah. And you're walking by, it's like, is that my green light? Is that the other green light? Am I turning left? Am I turning right? <laughs> you're on the left lane, but you're supposed to turn right. What the fuck is happening? And yeah. so, like, I swear to God, like, if I see a cow in DC walking in the middle of the street, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> fucking chaotic as shit. Yeah. Uh, but I fucking love the place. We'll never nice. own a car in DC. Mm. I will strategically move to a place where I will get metros or the grocery store is like fucking right next to my house. Pretty chaotic. We'll never drive in DC. Fuck that. My, but yeah. I love DC. I mean, DC is <laughs> my, my, my angle with it. I didn't mind the driving so much. Well, I didn't have to drive because I was younger. Right. But um, my, my problem with it was um, 
the the danger. I felt I felt like I was out of my element. This is dangerous as fuck. <laughs> you know, it's like there was like some places like you can go to some places like there's some some very nice upscale places in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. I mean, very very nice. But just with that, there's that dichotomy of it. You know, you get a very nice nice area, and then. 300 feet, you know, the other way. He's got like a very run down. Like, yeah, yeah, v- very, very, you know, so it's just like, eh, it's it's a little rough for me. It's like I would have to be very well off, like yeah. as far as my money to live there. It's a fucked up place to be. Like, yeah. like I saw that. I saw yeah. like the nice, like wealthy people yeah. right next to like the dude. The super just poor. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and I saw that and I was, and you walk through it. Like there's oh, the yeah. street that I was in. Yeah. Was literally the divide yeah. between those streets. Because yeah. like, oh, you turn to the left, it's like all the White House bullshit mm-hmm. and the dock and the monuments. You turn to the right, it's all the tiny townhouses that people. <laughs> it's, it's white. Yeah, yeah. So like, you see extreme poverty on one side. You yep. see a dude like handing out pennies, and then on the next side, you see a dude eating ramen on a fucking office. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's weird. With a nice thousand dollar suit, yep. you know, and everything. Yeah, it's, it's very, it's very awkward. It's fucking very weird. weird economy. Talking about ramen though, mm-hmm. I went to a place called Tokyo Underground. Yeah. And it's in the 15 best ramen places in the States. Okay. I dropped $34 oh, yeah. on the most amazing ramen I've ever had. Nice. In my fucking life. Nice. It was so goddamn delicious. Okay. They give you like like the pork belly, the traditional pork belly, Love where it's just like, like rolled and it's just like a big ass thick slice of pork belly. Yeah. And it just, you bite it and it just fucking melts in your mouth. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, ah, oh, so good. <laughs> so fucking good. Yeah. It was it was $6 for that slice of pork belly, mm. best $6 I ever spent. It's going to give me three slices of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> three of those yeah. in there. Yeah. And, and if, if uh, honestly, if I went if I went back, yeah. I would do that. I mean, just like, two, hey, two pork belly slices. I, I want to die of a heart attack when I get out of here. Immediately. Yes, but it's one of those like tiny like hole in the wall places where it's literally like you go in. There's a bar downstairs. Mm-hmm. You go upstairs. Mm-hmm. There's like maybe six hundred square feet okay. of space, and yeah. it's just like people are sitting around the walls. Like the tables are walls. There's yeah. no actual table. There's a bar, the kitchen, and then just along the walls, there's just seats. Oh, nice! And you sit there next to whoever the fuck you're sitting next to, mm-hmm. and then you shove your face full of ramen, nice. and right. then you go home and you take a nap because you fucking fold your face full of ramen. That seems kind of all right. I wouldn't mind that. Oh, it was delicious. I yeah. fucking loved it. I, I would go to DC again mm-hmm. just to go to that place. It's like the thing that I was thinking about immediately is like the, um, the almost the obligation of a social interaction because of the, the seating arrangement. Right. But if there is any social interaction, it's going to be all uh, focused on the food. Yeah. You know, there's a, you have common ground with people. So it's like, I don't, I don't mind. I don't feel that same kind of anxiety of what am I going to small talk with this person about or I've been sitting here for so long and no one said anything right you know so it's like you have the the food to kind of like if you don't want to talk like hey i'm minding my fucking business eating my yeah. food but if we are going to talk this is what we're going to talk about that's the food <laughs> yeah oh what you get oh tonkatsu i got mm. miso with pork belly it's fucking great oh nice and then you just have that coming it's super chill i like that most people in dc are super nice mm. uh the, tra- the public transportation system is super nice mm. i love that shit yeah uh i i, I literally hate the roads in right. dc yeah. it's the only thing that I would start over. Okay. <laughs> just if someone were to hey, let's just remake DC. Let's just start over with the roads. Fuck that. Mm. Uh, but I, w- I also went to a tiny place called Tony's Diner. Like literally, Tony's. like a Tony's breakfast. Sorry. Okay. Uh, literally a hole in the wall place. It's got like like five feet of counter space where you sit. Mm-hmm. Essentially, you go in. 
You get your food, you get the fuck out, you shove it in your face at home. Nice. And it's just like, just like delicious, like pancakes, scrambled eggs, yeah. like just bacon and meat. And it's just so fucking good. Okay. I, I love those tiny like experiences of like, oh yeah, like places. little dives and stuff like yeah. that. Oh, I went, I, I went to a dive uh, last week called, um, it's in Charlotte, uh, Pike's Old, Pike's Old Fashioned Soda Shop. Okay. I never heard about that. That was my first time going there too. And they had all kinds of different kinds of food. Um, they had one. So I started off with a, um, uh, Provolone, a provolone flatbread, a provolone pesto flatbread. That sounds really good. Yeah, actually. And then the, the exact same place, I ordered a fried bologna sandwich <laughs> from the exact same place. And I'm saying the menu is all over the place, so you can get like I got macaroni and cheese, fried bologna, a fried bologna sandwich, okra, uh, uh, the pesto flatbread. And I mean, it's just so many you, oysters. Like they have, yes, what I'm saying. Like the menu is fucking bananas. That's insane. It's it's ridiculous. Like I mean, it's like they have so many different things. The food was very very good. It was reasonably priced. I mean, I I definitely go back there. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. I'm gonna check it out once I get money again. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, man, fucking like traveling is dope. I wish I could just travel more. That'd be nice. I, I fucking I fucking love it. Like just I it, it was it's eight hours to get to DC by car, like mm. seven hours. Yeah. I spend the entire time just like singing, like road trip singing, nice. like Lady Gaga and, and within temptation, just mm. re- revisiting my emo side from back in high school. Yeah. Fucking fantastic. I absolutely recommend it. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if I'm on a road trip, I mean, it's something that somebody's going to have to get used to is that at some point in, a, in an hour or two hours, I'm going to be playing television theme songs, <laughs> you know, at some point during that road trip. You know, I don't know if that would make me happy or infuriate. <laughs> I really don't know. It's like I have full playlists on my Spotify dedicated to nothing but tell like when um a couple of years ago when um you were riding with me to school and it's like I know a number of times I had to like be putting like uh, oh, Dawson's did. Creek theme songs yep. and um I remember the Cheers one. Oh, Cheers! Out. Oh yeah, Cheers! I mean yeah, but that's that's my bag. The television, television themes, and see, mine's just like trash music, mm. like trash parody music. Oh like, yeah, like yeah. Pink Eye and Ninja Sex Party. I'm mm. into that shit. Yeah, so people hate driving in the car with me. So <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of things that people have hating, hated, yeah. and I'm on the boat now. I guess mm-hmm. uh, the movie Dunkirk. Oh yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, I don't. I literally don't yeah. care enough to go see it. And you shouldn't. It, it's mm. like the, the reason I even cared in the first place. And that's what, what, what uh, me, you, and Jonathan talked about a little bit mm-hmm. before. It was like, why would you jump into a thing and then it's like you know that you don't like it, and why do you stick it out? You right. know, why don't you just be like, I'm done with this? But it's like the anything that I'm going to get into is be like, okay, this is Jonathan Nolan and Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. So they have so much history and background. Then there has to be something here. So if it's like 15 minutes in, I don't like it, then I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because it's them. Right. You know, as opposed to like uh, you guys like to like uh, explore and find things from directors and writers that may have been unheard of. Yep. And you might find something great. But if it isn't great, then fuck it. Just cast yeah, it aside. You're going to find something else. Yeah. yeah. So it's like with this movie, I gave it the full two hours or whatever it was worth and it's very well put together technically it's pretty awesome but it doesn't mean anything yeah, <laughs> you know kind of bland it's like a very sa- bland it's just like a sandwich like a cheese sandwich yeah like it's there you ate it but <laughs> yeah yeah it is i mean it's, it's it's loud it's it's exciting but you, you don't have any characters to care about there's 
I don't know. It's, it's just it's just not worth watching. I give it an eight out of a ten, and I hope to never see this movie again. Right, just in technicality, alone, yeah. But you fuck that. Yeah. I, I literally don't care about seeing that movie at all. I'm, I'm completely disinterested. I, I mean, I can understand why now, yeah. but it's just I had to know. Like I've I've seen every other Christopher Jonathan Nolan project they've ever done, like from the beginning, from following, and I've enjoyed all of them. Like I didn't love the Bane, uh, the Bane Batman. Movie, yeah. yeah, I didn't love that. And uh, Interstellar. Returns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't love uh, Interstellar. I, I liked it a lot, mm-hmm. you know, but I didn't love Interstellar, you know, but I'm like, I haven't disliked anything from Christopher and Jonathan Nolan, right. and this is the first. This is, I mean, there's this is the first, first for everything, man. Yeah. I, uh, I, 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 I watched Black Panther. <laughs> you seen Black Panther? Yeah, I, I saw it. Well, fuck, I, let's, let's get into that. Someone, uh, Louise invited me, she, and we watched Black Panther. When was, when was this? Uh, Friday? Friday. R- r- real quick, real quick. Yeah. All right, so... Uh, Tessa, my girlfriend, wanted to see Black Panther, but she wanted to wait until the crowds died down a little bit. I, I wanted to see it early as I could because I don't want spoilers everywhere. Right, yeah. So I bought a ticket on Fandango for Sunday, 9.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. That was this morning. Okay. Woke up hungover as all fuck. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to be able to make that. Right. And then I was like, oh, well, I'll just go see it after you know like, we do the podcast. Right. These bitches are sold the fuck out right. unless I want to sit at the very front. It's crazy. You know what? I, uh, I went to Brickdale, which oh, yeah. is... Uh, this is gonna sound weird, but mm. like I made the joke about, oh, there's not, no one's gonna be there because it's a predominantly white area. Oh no, that's gonna be packed. Uh, no, no. I, oh really? I was Seriously? right. Really? I was right. Oh yeah. my goodness, that's <laughs> terrible like, to hear. Granted, I went at 10:45 at night. Yeah. Uh, but it was release day, mm. and there was still about like maybe like 20 people in the theater yeah. with us, yeah. like our group. Uh, but not as packed as I was expecting it to be. Wow. Like, I showed up, like, 20 minutes earlier than showtime just to make sure that I got just, a seat. Yeah, for Black Panther. It was totally fine. Huh. It was totally fine. So if you go, I would recommend going to Bergdale at, like, nighttime or, yeah. like, early morning. Because yeah. that's, like... I made the joke of saying, oh, this is just... A, this is, like, a white theater. No one's going to... There's not going to be a lot of people here. Yeah. Uh, I made that joke just meaning to be a joke because yes, I knew that I was going to be back. Yes, and it uh, turns out I was absolutely fucking right. There was wow. like three black people in that theater. When I went huh. to see it. <laughs> so, that is wild. Uh, so if you want to go see it without the advent of crowd, I recommend Brickdale at nighttime. Huh. Barely any people there. Uh, but I thought the movie was fucking great, dude. What are white people watching this weekend? Uh, what came out this weekend? What came out this weekend? Uh, I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. Huh. I would not know what they're watching. That is honestly. odd. Yeah. Maybe it, it might have just genuinely been like a like just like a time situation. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just it's like, ten forty five. It's yeah. ten forty five at night. Got to be up at four a.m. to. But it do makes things. me laugh that I that that it, that I made it racist. No, I mean no no I mean yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I thought the movie was fucking good. It okay. was really good. Yeah. I didn't. It's not my favorite Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. It's not my least favorite Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. It's like right in the middle of like. Like, it's right alongside the original Iron Man in terms of, like, story. Shit. Like, in terms of an origin story, yeah. it, it does a really good job. Okay. Because we get, like, sort of the... We don't get an origin story necessarily, but we get a superhero rising up to being the superhero that yeah. it should be. Yeah. And I think I think this movie just did a great job at presenting T'Challa, the character, what do, what a does, superhero. What does it do for Michael B. Jordan as an actor? Michael B. Jordan fucking killed the dude. Okay. Fucking killed it. That's what I I'm absolutely for. loved them in this movie. Like, right. I, I, I was fine with them in Fantastic Four. Uh, just because I, I like Michael B. Jordan. Me too. I was fine with him mm-hmm. in Fantastic... Uh, Fantastic. Oh, just as his performance. Just yeah. as his performance. Yeah. I was fine with him there. I, I'm fine with him in a lot of other movies yes. that I've seen him in. Definitely so. Um, was he, wait, was he... 
Well, see, he was Creed, right? He, he was, was in, in Creed. he was in a Fruitvale Station Creed. Right. He had a movie with Zac Efron, and uh, he started in television with a show called The Wire. Right. Yeah. Uh, I like him as an actor, he's but very he good. fucking killed it in, nice. in Black. Like he's probably the best villain that we've seen in in uh, Marvel movies. Yeah. And like dating back like probably like three or four years. Nice. Like, he's done a really good job. He said, um, I, I haven't seen the movie yet, yeah. but just doing, listening to the interviews, he said he wanted there to be a lot of ambiguity in, in his character. Yeah. And it's just with a villain, a villain is more than one thing the same way a hero is more than one thing. And he said in, in movies, a lot of the time you get the, the protagonist, they're the good guy. They're, they do the good things and the good deeds and the, right. the antagonist, they're the bad guy and they're the opposition of that. And he said in the movie, the movie that I still have yet to see <laughs> you know, that he says he just wanted to show some depth to a character that is an antagonist and and i think he did a really good job of, like he right. absolutely nailed that okay because like black panther isn't an interesting comic book character mm. he's just kind of bleh, the entire like I the stories are just that. not interesting mm. um but this movie like revitalized them they nice. gave him something interesting they gave him a good villain yeah like a villain that went against this like natural philosophy mm. of like before the movie started and yeah. after like there's a very good character change the writing solid the direction solid yeah the music is like delightful okay the the color in the movie because the the atro uh, the afrofuturism mm. is just fantastically well done like the custom right. design is gorgeous is there is there is there gold uh there is several pieces of gold okay there. all right there's there's gold there's like the the premise of the movie is that Wakanda uh, thrived on atom, uh, like vibranium. Yeah, vibranium. Yeah. So a lot of like they did a really good job at in integrating that sort of science fiction element into what would be African culture. Yeah. So it's just like it's just like Afro science fiction, and it, it's it's really it's really well done. Nice. I think I don't know I don't know a lot about African culture, mm. but from someone that doesn't know about African culture, the movie looks like it did its research nice. on African culture. Does it, does it do anything in the way of um, how the area of Wakanda is supposed to be like rich in resources? Uh, Captain America's shield, you know, supposedly is made from the vibranium from there. Right. Are they showing any of the other things that they're making out of this vibranium? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Like, we get a glimpse into the entirety of, like, Wakandan society. Oh, yeah. We, we, get, we get a lot of, like, really heavy character moments, yeah. but we also get a lot of really good world building moments and things that and you know what my yeah. favorite thing about this movie is mm. Captain America's fucking nowhere in the movie good yes no, <laughs> he's not there yeah <laughs> so fucking happy that he's just not in the movie yeah yeah I don't think they even talk about him nice they don't even talk about any of the other Avengers like, okay it's like it's related to Avengers Infinity War and so yeah. because that's what it's leading up to yep but as a movie in its own right, it stands perfectly fine on its own. Do we get a good um what's the like a teaser thing at the end of the movie? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we got a, like an after credit after scene credit, yeah. of like what's happening after like the Wakandan thing happened. Mm. I don't want to spoil anything no, no, no. of the movie, of yeah. course, but like after the movie ends, we get like an after credit scene of what happens as a consequence of the movie ending. Okay. And then we get an after credit scene, which is a teaser for like future installments. Oh, so two two separate ones. Yeah, All right, two. I'll be staying for that. Um, so it, it's 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 a really good movie. Yeah. I I think that in terms of technicality, mm. apart from some dodgy C CGI, yeah, it's probably one of the best put together Marvel movies out there. I think. Nice. I forgot the the director's name. I Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler. Yeah. Uh, fantastic job. Yeah. I think I think he nailed it. Uh, nice. What did he do? He did Creed, right? Oh uh, yeah, he did Creed and Fruitvale Station. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, He's if you awesome. saw those movies, you kind of know what you're expecting. Oh in this yeah. Direction. And yeah. I don't. Know, I think I think it was. I think it deserves a lot of the credit that it's getting. Okay. Sure. Uh, I had some problems with CGI. I had mm -hmm. some problem with like the the plot itself because the plot is kind of like your standard like anime plot. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like, 
oh, dad, you know, leaves me kingdom. I got to figure out. I have a lost brother, blah, yep. blah, blah, whatever. Yep. It's kind of like general. Like, Seen that story that. before. Yeah. But I think it handled it well. Michael B. Jordan killed it. Uh, I forgot the dude's name. Uh, Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Boseman yeah. killed it. Uh, Daniel. Fuck, Which his one? last name. What, what did he play? The guy from Get Out, Daniel Kumanja, oh. something like that. Daniel. I know you're talking about, yeah, the star of Get Out, yeah. Right, killed it too. Okay. Uh, every female lead in the Oh, Lupita Nyong, yeah, she was in there. Uh, nice. Who did she play? Did I'm she? not sure. Okay. Uh, I don't know a lot of like the actresses' names because yeah. there's like a lot. I'm sure. There's a lot of cast in this movie. Yeah. They all did a phenomenal job. Nice. I think the, like, the movie that nailed it. I, right. I'm into it. I okay. Okay. Definitely like a Blu-ray purchase for me. Oh for my! Sure. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Huh. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I saw Black Panther. Mm. I saw a show on Netflix called Queer Eye. Yeah, remember they, that show? yeah, they used to have it on uh, Fox or ABC yeah, ten it years be ago. Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Yeah, they remade it on yeah. Netflix. Have you seen it? Oh uh, no, I'm not watching oh, that. Uh, oh, dude, do it, mm-hmm. do it. It's fucking, it's fucking phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> the first episode is so wholesome. Is I it? just love it. Ah, so good. I don't like wholesome though. You know, really? No, because like I, I can watch uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. Like that's not wholesome at all. Like mm-hmm. I need fierce. Like I mean, if I if when I'm going to like the gay culture stuff, I want fierce in your face, unapologetic bow. You know, and yeah. Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, the television show. Like I haven't seen the the new Queer Eye show, mm-hmm. but it was just more sensible. It was like there's not anything outrageous, or this is just I happen to be a gay man and I'm gonna make you better. <laughs> kind right. of. I, I, they, they definitely play like I think the new cast for the Queer Eye show like mm. they definitely play the like the gay fears a little bit more mm. in the angle but it's still just kind of like fuck yeah you go get that you get yeah. that makeover I yeah. fucking love it okay. it was so fun right. like the first episode made me tear up it Okay, so much fucking fun alright uh, other than that I don't think I've watched a lot uh, anything else I've just been like working yeah. and like on school and shit Mm. Uh, trying not to, you know, go insane. I know that. <laughs> oh, you know what? Fucking, I got a thing. I got a be. I got a bone to pick All with right. a specific type of person. Okay. You know the person that when you ask them where they're from, mm. they give you seven different places. They go like, "Oh, I'm from like Germany, Britain, Ireland. I'm like like Scandinavian, Norwegian, whatever." The how fuck. how how was the question phrased? Like, where where were you born? What's your ethnicity? I said, "Where are you from? Where are you where from? Are you from?" And they gave me seven different places. And after he was done naming like all the seven different places, yeah. I was so done with the conversation, I wanted to leave because <laughs> I was exhausted immediately. So from now on, if I ever ask somebody mm. where they're from, they get one word, one word, two at the most, if it's like a two word thing. Yeah. Like, like if you're like, if I ask where you're from and he goes like, oh, I'm from Jersey, but I was, but my parents are from, you're from Jersey. <laughs> Stop I, it. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Like say, say someone is born in Jersey, yeah. but they didn't grow up in Jersey. It's like, so it's like, do would you want them to answer the question? Like, I'm from Jersey, but then they have zero information about New no, Jersey no, 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 whatsoever. No. Like, like, you know? like, where are you from? Like, mm. I feel like the answer to where are you from is, would be the place that, that you grew up in. You know, okay. like the place that you, like if you were born in Jersey and you grew up in Jersey and I ask you where you're from, mm. don't say you're from Jersey and then Irish. Say you're from Jersey. Yeah. You're from Jersey. Yeah. You're not Irish. You're from Jersey. <laughs> All right. You know, I just hate that conversation with people mm. when they're just like, oh yeah, no man, where are you from? And they go like. I'm from Jersey. I was born in like Germany. Like my parents were born in Germany. My dad's can. I don't give a shit about your family history. This yeah. is completely a courtesy call. Uh, this I mean, conversation is not meant to exist beyond two words for where you're from. Where are you yeah. from? Jersey. Good. Move on. Let's move on to the next bit. Stop it. I it, don't give a fuck. It gives people like a, uh, a open-ended way to talk about their favorite, favorite subject. 
And you really have to be cautious about that. Anytime you give someone an open-ended question to talk about their favorite subject in the entire See, world, they are going to talk where, about it. Where are you from? I don't think it's an open-ended question. No, no, no. no. But, but I'm saying the, the, the open-endedness to talk about their favorite subject being themselves. Well, so I'm if you give someone an opportunity to talk about themselves, yeah. they're going to go as much as they possibly can. See, th that's the thing. I'm, like, I, I just I want to stop that. The moment, so, like, the moment someone not gonna stop goes, that. Like, I, I'm, no, I'm not going to stop it. <laughs> I'm just going to leave the conversation whenever mm. it happens. Like, I'm fucking done listening to people that I don't give a shit about. Mm. If I ask you where you're from and you say fucking more than three places, we're done with the conversation. I'm going to leave. I don't care anymore. If I ask you, like, do you, what do you identify as? Like, most people, like, like too right. many labels. I have a problem with too many labels. All right. Pick two labels, three labels at most. Move on with your fucking life. You're not that uh, interesting. You know what I'm saying? Uh, no one's that interesting. I guess. Sorry. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about all of that. <laughs> I just, listen, it's exhausting. It's exhausting yeah. to have to like, someone walks up to you and you go like, hey man, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. It's like, oh, where are you from? And they list hundred places. Don't give a shit. I just don't, I don't mean the, the society we're living in now is just like, that's kind of what it is. Like people don't want to just be one thing, even if that's whether we're talking about gender, race, or ethnicity, nationality, yeah. like it's everything. It's like no one wants to be boxed into oh, no, anything I get it. anymore. Don't be one yeah. thing. Just don't tell me about all the things you are. Mm. I don't give a shit about how many things you are. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Like we're but, but having a five minute conversation. I'm gonna fuck. It's, but I'm saying like it's it, if if you turn the tables around, it would be like you're the right winger. It was like, no, no, I don't care. Binary, LG, no, 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 boy or girl, boy or girl. I don't give a shit. LGBT, binary, Q, no, fuck all of that. You could pick one thing. You could be a boy. You could be a girl. Any of that other stuff. Nope. Conversation done. I'm walking away. Here's like the, that's what it sounds like. That, that's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. I agree. But here's the thing. You can pick any word, anything. Mm. Yeah. Any label that you want, you get in, in that conversation with me, you get two labels before I clock out. Mm. You can pick like trans, pansexual, trans gay, trans queer, gender, whatever the fuck it is, yeah. you just get two of them. I don't give a <laughs> shit about more than two of them because mm. then the conversation's going nowhere and we both fucking know it. Yeah. And I don't have time for you and you don't have time for me. Let's just fucking get it over with. Have, have you seen in, uh, I believe it was Norway, they just call people hen. Hen? hen is the uh, the pronoun for boy, girl, or everything in between. I didn't know and they, they started them off with, with children. It's just hen. Hen. H E N. You know what? I like that. <laughs> yeah. You know why I like that? It's efficient. It is. It's fucking efficient. Yeah. Oh, what are you? Hen. Hen. Yes. Hen. That's what, that's what I am. <laughs> that's hen. it. Yeah. Hen. Yeah. And they say some people can identify with any number of things outside of that if they want, you know, all everything of the spectrum. But it's just if you see a boy or girl, you don't know what how this person identifies, hen. Yeah. It's just hen. And it's yeah, and I was like, all right, that's kind of cool. That worked for me. Yeah. That's a one word situation. It gets the point across. Yep. And we don't have to pretend we're in a conversation that nope. uh, either of us cares about. Nope. You know how many conversations I'm in where both people don't give a fuck? about what we're talking about, it's way too many. We have to stop that. We just have to stop. Let's just admit to each other that you don't give a fuck about what I'm saying and I don't give a fuck about what you're saying. Let's just get, let's just get past the barrier as a society. Mm. We should just get past that because uh, it uh, fucking makes me mad. <laughs> All right. When I'm in a fucking conversation, I have to say, like, oh, uh, I don't care about your mom. No, I don't really. I'm sorry. You know, I mean, I, I kind of like that, though. I mean, just like giving the shit back to people. It's like people know when they're being phony and when they're like being self-obsessive and yeah. you can call them on their shit and then it's either we're going to laugh and they're going to be like, okay, yeah, I am being that person <laughs> or they're going to be offended, defensive yeah. yeah, and be, get offended and then I'm like, okay, well, we're, we are wasting time. We yeah. are in fact wasting Absolutely. time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I'm just saying two words, like, like where you're from, one word and like to just like two if it's a two-word state mm. and labels, you get to pick like two. 
with talking with me. After that, mm. I don't give a fuck. We're done. We're just fucking done. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to agree. No one has to agree with me. I'm just saying that's what's going to happen with the conversation for me. With me from now on, mm. I don't fucking care. I deal with so much bullshit at school. People mm. talk to me about so much shit I care about. Mm. I'm going to just walk away. I'm going to just leave the room. That's what I'm going to do. All right. Anyway. Fuck you, man. Yeah. <laughs> fucking... <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, fucking primer. Yeah. <laughs> How about primer? Yes. Yes. I sound like such an asshole. I mean, I know. At, at the end of the, I know I sound like an asshole. I don't know asshole. what to do with it. I know it. Because it's like I've, I've ran into those people a lot. Yeah. You know, it's just like, where are you from? Oh, yeah, I was born in uh, Atlanta, you know, but I've lived in Greensboro for the majority of my life. And, You're from Greensboro. You know, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, all right, there we go. If you, if you were born in Atlanta and you mm-hmm. lived in Greensboro from the time you were two yeah. to like 20, you're from Greensboro. Yeah, and I, and I assume that the reason they give that information is just so like, like where are you from? Oh, uh, I'm born in Atlanta. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I've Atlanta, yada, yada. And then I talk to them for three minutes about Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember anything about Atlanta. Yeah. And just now say we, Greensboro. They could have. Yeah, they could have. If I don't ask you for more details, just say one place. Pick yeah. one place. Yeah. Pick it. Shut the fuck up and let's just move on. I'm from, I'm from California. Yeah. Where you... I wasn't born there, but that's not the okay. stipulation okay, of good. it. Good. See, you get to pick one place. If I ask you where you're from, you say California. It's like, all right, I get it. He's from yes. fucking Cali. I'm from Cali, man. Unless I ask you, were you born in Cali? There I don't give are. a fuck where you were born at, just yeah. where you're from. Yeah. Let's just get that, let's just get that through our fucking <laughs> We good? Suck primer. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. And it, I, I think like like I like I think my anxiety lately, because it used to be like based around social interactions. Mm. I think I'm just now getting like more annoyed at social interactions and I'm developing more of a like a confident, hard skin when mm. it comes to social interactions. So a lot of people don't make me uncomfortable anymore right. where they used to before. And now I'm just exploring how that makes me feel and how little of a shit I give about being in a social situation. I mean, yeah. That I don't want to fucking be in. If I don't want to be in the social situation, I'm going to fucking leave. That's I mean, what yeah, I'm going to do. I mean, I would love to be around. Like, two years ago, it was a different person. Then yeah. a year after, I'm like, okay, it's starting to change a little bit. And now I'm starting to hear, like, a, it's still ever ever changing process, growing yeah. process. Because like, we would sit beside each other at work in the, in the cage. And then someone would just be standing there. And then I'm like, well, we could just stand here in this <laughs> awkwardness. This game, yeah, because yeah. like if you're not going to say anything, then I'm not going to say anything, <laughs> you know. And then it was like you would always talk to these people and engage these people in shit conversations over and over. I'm like, why are you doing this? It was like, well. Because eh, I wanted know. them to leave. <laughs> but now that person stays there. It's just like, listen, I'm fucking writing this out with you. Yes. You yep. fucking talk to me yep. or you're done. Or you're done. I don't give a if you fuck. Got, if you got some bullshit to say, then we're done. Yeah. I'll let you know we're done. Yeah. It's done. You know, it's like we don't have to have shit conversations. Don't even have I've to have it. So many conversations like over the last like four weeks. Yeah. By just looking somebody in the eye and going, like, yeah, I'm gonna leave now. Yes. I don't care anymore. Yeah. I've I had to do that a many a times to Carmina. <laughs> <laughs> many a times. And she knows it. <laughs> just shut that shit down. That's fucking great. <laughs> shut it down. That's fucking yeah. great. The, yeah. uh, just, just people that want to make you uncomfortable. Yeah. I like now now I'm getting to the point where I'm just like, ah, go fuck yourself. I'm yeah. gonna make yourself uncomfortable. Yes. You're gonna look in the mirror for a bit. How yeah. about that? That's, that'll yeah. make someone the most uncomfortable of anything else in the world. Yep. Their own, de- dealing with themselves. Yep. I fucking love it. <laughs> I fucking love it. Yeah. Anyway, 
Go uh, Primer. Uh, Primer is a PG-13 movie. has a one-hour and 17-minute runtime. It's a drama sci-fi thriller released in 2004. Uh, the rundown is intellectual engineers Aaron and Abe build a cell error checking technology with the help of their friends Robert and Philip. But when Aaron and Abe accidentally invent what they think is a time machine, Abe builds a version capable of transporting a human and puts the device to the test. As the two friends obsess over their creation, they discover the dark consequences of their actions. Uh, it's written and directed by Shane Carruth. Uh, he's the same writer-director of Upstream Color that's on Netflix. He's the editor of uh, Ghost Story that we just seen recently. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, really? Yes. Like, he was the, the guy that plays Aaron? Because he edited the movie himself. The guy that plays Aaron. Yeah, Shane. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Dude. Yeah, Shane Carruth. Get it, man. Get it. Yeah, uh, writer-director, and yeah, he edited uh, Ghost Story. Uh, Star Shane Carruth, the same writer-director, and David Sullivan. Is in this. He plays Abe, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, listen, man, I, this movie has been on my radar for, for like at least five years. Mm -hmm. I just never actually watched it. Yeah. And I'm glad that I got an excuse to watch it because it's, it's literally been on my watch queue mm -hmm. for fucking ever. Well, one of the, well like, it used the, to be at least, yeah. Yeah, it used to be. Yeah. I, like a, and, and like it's one of the, like, the best low budget movies that like won a shit ton of awards. Like that's always what I kept hearing about it. Oh, yeah. It. Okay. And I was just like, ah, oh, fuck, I should watch that. I should learn from it. It's fucking, I love this movie. It, yeah, I, I got a chance to see it on Netflix um, probably like five or six years ago before it's not on Netflix anymore. Right. But um, got a chance to see it. And this, I think this is my fourth time. The first two times, first time, high as fuck. <laughs> high as fuck just watching Netflix found money you know it was just okay we're watching this science fiction movie love science fiction didn't get anything about what in the hell is going on you're going backwards in time forwards in time what in the hell is happening watched it the second time and I was like alright I like this movie still don't know if I really get it but yeah. I, I like the movie um, third time around the same thing so this time watching it analytically and trying to understand like break down what is really happening with this movie besides you know the, the techni technical things about movie making right. but what's going on with this script and I got to tell you, coming out of this for the fourth time, I, I will be, I'm, I'm more than open to anything that you have to say about what, what is going on with the script as far as time travel going backwards and forward, because it's still giving me a bit of a headache. The, yeah. movie, the movie was like, okay, so the, I feel like if we start from the beginning, mm. uh, the movie starts by these group of mathematicians trying to figure out a way to make a product that would make them essentially rich. Yes. Two of them split off. Mm. and uh, accidentally built a fucking time machine Yeah, <laughs> by trying to get rid of gravity and whatever. My favorite thing about that setup, mm. it's just like, first of all, there's four people in the group, but two of them just become irrelevant, yeah. like irrelevant, uh, but the movie after the time machine gets discovered. Yep. But what I love is the conversations between these people from the beginning, I think up until like maybe the halfway point of the movie, mm. they're all very mathematical mm. and they're all very sort of like high concept in terms of like the layman won't know what you're talking about yeah, yeah. easily earlier on yeah and my favorite one of the things that i really loved about movie is that they didn't give a fuck they were just talking about it like they were characters that live yep. in the world where they know what they're talking about yeah so they know it you don't know it yep. fuck you just sit along for the ride they have their own jargon doesn't need to be explained to anyone outside of their circle yep. yeah and i loved how the characters communicated in that regard mm. some of the performances were a bit stiff at times oh terrible acting yeah. terrible <laughs> acting now, we're not we're not gonna act like any of that yeah. acting in this movie was good yeah but it worked really well for this movie. Because they seem like regular people. Regular people. Yeah. And, and the conversations from like, where they're like, oh, we're going to lower the temperature of the superconductor to like maybe room temperature, like all that jargon mm -hmm. and all that butcher. Yep. I didn't follow the goddamn thing, yeah. except when they talked about Feynman diagrams and I knew, okay, this is time related now. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing that I could follow in terms of like the conversation. But yeah. it didn't take you out of the movie. No. 
because the movie's not about that. Mm. They don't have to explain that to you in the movie. Like once they get past that initial setup of knowing like, oh, these are smart people that are doing like really important work. Yeah. Once you get past that, you realize that the movie is more about the ethics of the invention more than the awareness of like how to get the invention and the that, background yeah. of the invention. And that's that's the only that's what drew me to the movie. Um, the only part that I could really understand for one hundred percent, like the ethics of what they're doing. Right. And our main character in um in Aaron, I guess his name um Shane what, mm-hmm. Aaron, yeah. Our main character the, Aaron, the black haired guy. The black-haired guy. No. Yeah, and seeing uh, his his journey from the beginning of that into the end of what he turned in, into. Right. But um, my my issue and trying to understand it would always kind of give me a headache watching it was um so so all right i guess let's go back a little bit so so they, they make they, they make the machine mm-hmm. and uh, un- accidentally make a time machine right. and uh earlier on they um they're using 24 watt or two 12 watt batteries mm-hmm. to hook up to this machine and for some reason they throttle the the power to it and then it's just kind of self-sustaining. Right, yeah. You know, the, the 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 machine is able to just use its own energy on a loop for a set amount of time. Right. They unhook both batteries, and like I said, self-sustaining, it just continues to it's go on its own. Yeah, and they're not understanding how this is working. They put a piece of, um, I guess it's not a Fabergé egg, it's just like a little clown egg. Like it's what kind a of egg bushka is this? doll. Bush- what? A babushka doll. I've never heard of that name. What? It's, a, it's a Russian doll that, do you know the rolls that are like, they get inside of each other? Yeah. There, you topple them, they yep. come back up. That's yeah. the babushka doll. Babushka doll. Yeah. I just learned It's like you shit. open it up, there's like a smaller doll. You open that yep. one up, there's a smaller. It's, yeah, those are babushka. Oh, babushka shit. Dolls. Hell yeah, yeah. man. All right. Like <laughs> <laughs> the more you know. Yes. Babushka doll. Babushka dolls? Yeah, babushka dolls. Babushka dolls. So, yeah, it's like a babushka doll, and they put it inside the machine, and then um, they notice that, that it has what it was like um, some kind of organic um, fungus. Some fungus, yeah. yeah. It's like a really common type of fungus that takes like five or six years to grow. Yeah, that you can find it anywhere. If you just left it out on the table, mm-hmm. just anywhere for. Uh, 10 years or whatever, untouched, and it's going to grow that fungus. It's everywhere. Right. You know, so um, it, it, it is not uncommon. But they're, they're trying to figure out how, with it only being in the machine for a small amount of time, has it been able to collect that much fungus as if it was here for five years, you know, or right. longer. So it's like I'm, I'm following up until that point, but as soon as they make the machines and they're getting in and out of machines and then like that, it's like so when, by getting into the machine, is that putting them back in time? Well, what's happening is, okay, because I, I saw the movie, mm. and I understood what was happening in terms of plot loosely, Yeah, but I had no fucking idea. No. I had, to, I, had to, I had to Google it. I had to, like, Wikipedia it, and Wikipedia has a nice explanation of the diagram. Okay. Uh, and essentially, what happens is, the original Abe yes. makes a machine. He gets into the machine. Yep. And then, he stays in there for six hours. Yeah. But then, that means he goes six hours back in time. So yeah, however however long you stay in the box is how long you go backwards you go back from the box. Oh, I got so you. what happens is he goes six hours back in time, mm. and so now there are two Abe's existing at the same moment, mm. and the double Abe, which is like technically past Abe and the original Abe, exists in the same timeline. Mm. So original Abe has to stay isolated so as to not interact with double Abe. Hold on, hold on. Before we go go too far. Yeah. All right, so so original Abe, he gets inside the box. He's in there for yeah. six hours. And, and and within those six hours, you get original Abe, who is now in the past, yeah. behind six hours, 
and now what would be future Abe, but in reality is just current Abe. Right. Current that's Abe. That's the Abe that got in the box originally. That's the Asia, the Abe yeah. that got in, bo- in the box originally. Mm-hmm. So he's coming out of the box after being inside of the box for six hours. Yes. He's just going to get out of the box and yeah. then live his day normally throughout well, the rest of the day. He gets the he gets out of the box and then, then has to isolate himself. There's a six hour window. Yeah. Where original Abe and past Abe live in the same timeline. Yeah. So he isolates himself for those six hours. For those six hours. Yeah. Until the the fast Abe goes back into, into the, the box. box. And so then this Abe has a six-hour window mm-hmm. where past Abe is in the box. Yeah. And he can live life without worrying about what it. happens in the future without affecting his own timeline. Yeah. So essentially what happens, he goes back six hours and then he lives the same day again, having the knowledge of six hours in the future. Mm. And then what happens is when he's done with those six hours, the Abe, which was past Abe, that's in the box, yeah. ceases to exist. And we only have future, future Abe, Abe that's now in the future. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's essentially it just becomes like a loop, like a feedback loop. Yeah. And like so the machine has to keep running all the time so that the the past Abe, the the Abe that got into the box in the first time yeah. has to get into the box so that the future Abe doesn't keep running into clones of himself. That's that, and that was a predicament that they were going getting into. I guess it was Aaron, you know, realizing how, how or something that they both Abe and Aaron were, were discussing. You know, how do they know that the past selves will get back in the box? Right. You know, just ensuring that they will get back in the box. And Aaron, would you consider Aaron our um, antagonist in this movie, or would you see uh, antagonist or protagonist wouldn't really be a thing for this movie? I think. I think. It would be hard for me to say who's the protagonist and the antagonist, mm. but if I were to choose someone based on definition, yeah. I would say that Aaron is the protagonist because he's mm. the one that changes the most. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't, he doesn't change for no, the No, no, it's by definition. I, I, yeah. yeah. But by yeah. definition, I would argue Aaron is mm. the protagonist. Yeah. Uh, whether the, the antagonist is Abe or mm. like the concept of time travel itself. Mm. I don't know who would be the antagonist because no one really teaches him any of that. I think yeah. maybe he himself teaches himself that. Yeah. I think Aaron is the protagonist and the antagonist because the yes. reason he changes is because he interacts with himself. With himself. In the yeah. So I guess he is both he, protagonist and antagonist. Yeah. Like he learns it from himself. <laughs> he does, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was saying it's a mind fuck. Yeah. So it's like with Aaron, it's like you get to see him go from this nice, well-meaning person who just works his regular nine to five. If anybody has seen Office Impulsive, Space, impulsive but well-meaning. Yeah, very, very well, well-meaning. It's like you wouldn't think that he would just go do some crazy shit. And then midway through the movie, you get to see that um, what would be someone that's um, meek. You know, you get to see no. that he's been kind of a meek person throughout his past, just off that interaction with his wife, saying that um, that if he had the chance, that he would walk into the uh, the finance building and see the boss of them punch him square in the fucking nose yep. you know and then his wife was like oh look at my husband the hero right. you know it was just like something that she knows that he wouldn't ever do in these hypothetical scenarios it just sounds good for her husband to have a little bit of backbone you know just for this conversation right. a little bit of anger right? yeah 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 uh, that's 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 an interesting thing about the movie. Mm. Uh, Aaron's shift in personality, I think, is done really cleverly. Oh yeah, because there's one point in the movie where you don't know if you've been following the same Aaron and Abe the entire time Un- until the uh, the ear bleeding, right? And yeah. then it was like, hold up, something something's yeah. weird here. Yeah, and like, but even then, I didn't know what the ear bleeding like fucking meant. Like, oh yeah, first time, yeah, they said, okay, yeah, true, yeah, um, could just be a consequence of getting in there three times or four times, and then your ear just bleeds, yeah, right. 
So I was just like, do you know what the ear bleeding was? I don't think I ever figured it out. Um, the ear bleeding, I would, I was, I thought was connected to when, um, when Aaron was drugging himself mm-hmm. and um, or coming out too soon. It's just I don't know a direct thing why I was bleeding, mm-hmm. but it just it was an indication of you're doing something not according to where it should be done. Okay, right. You Some know? paradoxical causality bullshit. Yeah, yeah. That's what I think the handwriting thing was when they realized that they couldn't write. Yeah, hand, yeah. Like, it, it was uh, scrambling their coordination because, yeah. I mean, it was like they could write. He said, check your left hand and it's the exact same as your right. right. You know, so they can recognize the letters and how it should be written down, but their coordination was screwed up, you know? Yeah, and uh, that's probably some consolidated thing that they wanted to explore. It's like some consequence of the time machine. Yeah. But the thing is that that doesn't really matter because mm. ultimately it's not about the consequence of time traveling. Mm. It's about how these people face with the ethic choice of whether to change the past or not. Yeah. Like how that affects them personally. Yes. Instead of like how it affects the universe around them, and like the, which is like what most science fiction tries to be. Mm. Most science fiction tries to be really large. This one definitely tried to just be like, hey, how does this fuck up these two guys? Yeah. How does it fuck up their relationship? And I think that it definitely showed in terms of writing a really clear path of Mm. like Aaron becoming the Aaron that we see at the end, which is the Aaron that goes back a full, like the entire time to the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And gives the tape to himself. So he can, yeah, start listening to conversations and, you know, being able to control the present as it is because it's already happened. Yep. Yeah, and and all of that shit. So like the Aaron, like oh, that shit from like the Aaron that we meet at the beginning of the movie, yeah. becoming that Aaron, and then learning that that Aaron is the Aaron that goes back to the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. and f- essentially feeds himself that change. And yeah. I think that was really well done because it's not in your face. It's out, but it's also not so obtuse that you just can't understand it. Oh yeah, there was something that Aaron said to Abe. It was just kind of like the first red flag of um, knowing that Aaron is doing a little more than he should be doing. Uh, Abe, Abe tells him, it's like, I'm not into the whole destiny. There's only one right way thing. Right. And Aaron says, Abe, I'm not either. But what's worse, you know, thinking you're being paranoid or knowing you should be. Right. And at this point, it's like Abe doesn't know everything that Aaron's doing. But Aaron is saying that, no, you should be paranoid because of this information. Like, I have reason to be paranoid. Right. Like, it's, it's like, it's not, I'm not even pointing to, like, I think that I should be paranoid. No, I 100% know for a fact, <laughs> you know, that I should be because of the things that I'm doing. In, in this universe now. Yeah, which I thought was really interesting. Like, the, the one thing that I didn't understand is the whole thing with Rachel. And the, and, the, and the gun, gunman. Yeah. yeah. Was Rachel Aaron's girlfriend or Abe's girlfriend? I thought that was Abe's. Abe's girlfriend? Yeah, because uh, Aaron was married to the blonde. Right. Yeah. So, essentially, so why did they go back and stop the gun? Because Gabe didn't want to do it. No. Abe didn't want to stop the gun. Then. No. Because he was just like, this is the way that it has to happen. Yeah, and in every scenario, he doesn't shoot anybody anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. But then we find out at the end that she has been killed by mm-hmm. the gunman. Yeah. So what the fuck happened? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, assume, yeah. I was, I'm assuming it's something that a- Abe had, I mean, Aaron had something to do with that. I would assume, but it's like, I don't, I don't no, know. No. And, and, but, but again, that goes like, and, and this is, it's weird talking about this movie because not knowing exactly what happened yeah. in the plot. Yeah. I think helps the movie a that, little bit. Yeah, I agree. Because you're not necessarily supposed to know. I think even if if you understand it, sure. But if you don't, at least you get that the point of the movie was to make this ethical boundary between these two friends and mm. see how like the power corrupts personal like personal relationships. Yes. And why do you end up becoming when you have a little too much power that you anticipated? That's and yeah. that's how ha- that that's how happening. And like Abe 
pr- remained pretty much constant. I don't think Abe no, yeah. used the power at all. In no. fact, he was the one keeping control of the machines and whatever. Yep. It was Aaron that built another machine that he kept running mm-hmm. all the way into the beginning so that he could travel back and yeah. all back in time. <laughs> yeah. So Abe was pretty constant. Aaron was being fucked. Aaron was being kind of a dick mm-hmm. about the whole thing. And then, but the final confrontation of the movie, when in Abe is just like, I don't care what you do, you just don't come back. Yeah. Uh, and Abe was going to make sure that the original Abe never discovered the box in the first place. Yep. And so he was staying back as a double to sabotage every attempt at making the new box mm-hmm. so that the loop wouldn't keep happening. Yeah. But then at the end of the movie, Aaron goes to fucking France mm-hmm. and he's ordering people how to build a big, like a warehouse sized time machine. Yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. As I'm saying, like he goes from like from point A where he what he is, like yeah. the the meek, mild mannered, you know, guy that's working inside of his office building a corporation, to the guy that is building a, a time machine the size of a warehouse. Right. You know, it's like what are you transporting back and forth, and it's just like the ruthlessness of him at, at this point, and the morality of it. Like regardless if you're drugging yourself, like. It's kind of like I said, there's a morality issue because it's you, but it's kind of not you. You know, there is another living, breathing human being that is separate from yourself. You know, so we've already seen that he's capable of doing that, you know, to another human being. Now he's building an entire warehouse. It's just, I don't think that he has any kind of morality or ethics left. And and there was the thing with the dad of like Rachel's Rachel's dad, dad, yeah. When he got put in a machine, Mm -hmm. which was clearly done by Aaron. Yep. Why was he put in a machine? Doesn't really matter. All it, it just like it. it he exists yeah. so that he goes back in time, so that Abe discovers it, yeah. so that Abe starts to realize that Aaron's doing some fucked up shit, yeah. and that the, like the the loop, like Aaron knows everything that's gonna happen already, yep. and so he's just putting the pieces together so that they happen the way that they should be, yeah. so that he can close the loop yeah. safely. I think that's what's happening. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It's, there was there was um oh another thing that I'm that I was loving with the uh, the connecting and the timeline mm-hmm. of how it went from like you said they're just um they're all speaking in their own language and they're they're smart and it's all about uh, creation right. about just coming together and trying to create this thing and it's like that's that's what's most important to everyone in the room is creating the, a product right and then the further you go you know twenty minutes thirty minutes into the movie and then it goes from creating this product to it's, it's financial you know now it's all financial and it was like, okay how can we save money to do this save money to do that it was like how much is your um your your video camera worth it was like well we're not you want me to put my video camera inside of a box that's too dangerous for us to look inside of yeah. and then it was like and they're still friends like hey if anything goes wrong i'll pay you back right. you know so it's like this you can still see the bonding even though their the talks went from like the the creation to just being purely about money and oh we could we could we could win the lottery why don't we just go back well the lottery is until saturday oh well we could um see what's happening in stocks you yeah. know so then they would just do the six hours find out what stocks did well that day go back and then put all their money into that yep. so it went from that to you know getting home and then talking to this wife and their conversation goes into if you could have anything you are you're above the law you have all the money that you would ever want yep. and it's just these conversations to the the men at, at, at sitting down it's like it's not a frivolous or even hyperbolic conversation hypothetical Hypoth- yeah, yeah well both i guess right, 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 yeah. yeah it's it's, it's not it's not, it's not um it's not hyperbolic or hypothetical you know for them it's like this is very realistic yeah. it's like if, if you say then we could just do this tomorrow you right. know and have just as much money and power and influence that we want and with you you hear what she wants to do she was like well i guess i would find something some time in the day to help people you know if i already have all the money in the world and the power that i want then i would try to help other people right. you know and then you could kind of see what 
the difference was between her, the person that is never going to be able to have that kind of ability, mm-hmm. to these two men that are actually sitting with actual power. Yes. You know? <laughs> but also, like, I love that moment because it tells you, like, how good-natured the wife is. Mm-hmm. And then how you assume good nature Aaron is at the beginning of the film. Yeah. And that moment when really he realizes that he can go back and do whatever he wants. Yeah. You see the first egotistical moment where he's like, I would punch him in the fucking nose. But, but that's, that's what yeah. I love about, about Aaron in the situation because that you can very well put uh, the wife into that same Aaron avatar. Yeah. You know, just being the, the mild manner would never do anything. But then when you give the wife absolute power, it goes from, you know, well, I guess I would help people. It goes to, you know, that, that bitch in third grade that I really hated I'd go back <laughs> you know what I'm saying it's just when you get that Quiver kind of yeah you get that kind of absolute power it does really corrupt yeah. um, I mean it, well, it just brings out what's really inside of you right you know, really. yeah, for sure so yeah. I, 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 I want to talk a little bit about the editing of the movie because I think the editing of the movie was fantastic yes it was uh, but before we go into that like given the story mm-hmm. even if you don't understand the story you understand the moral path that mm-hmm. happened throughout the story and you understand how what the betrayal that happened throughout the story. So yeah. there, there's always I feel like there's always gonna be a version of Abe and Aaron that are friends yeah. that are gonna live out their life because they Abe made sure that one of the Abes didn't discover the discover, yeah. So that Abe will live out his life with Aaron being married and they'll be happy. Yeah. But what that that Abe that the, the Abe that prevented that or the original Abe mm-hmm. doesn't want to happen is that he doesn't want Aaron to fuck with them. Yeah. Uh, so at least a version of him is living the life that he should be living, yep. even though he's now trapped in the circumstances. Yeah. So like the, that whole morality complex that the movie has, the ethicality of it, mm. I feel like it's handled really well, even if you don't necessarily understand what's happening in terms of like time travel or like loops and feedback loops and clones and all that shit. Yeah. Uh, just like the breakdown of ethics that happens between this relationship, mm-hmm. I think has been done so cleverly in the script that you can't argue that it just it just works. It, it does. It just works. There, there was a part, like, you could see how the, the strongest moment of their friendship and the bond for me was um, when they were about to do the time machine both at the same time for the first time. And uh, Abe is saying, uh, Aaron, I, I can't imagine no way in which this could be considered anywhere remotely close to safe. Yep. All I know is I spent six hours in there and I'm still alive. You still want to do it? And then he, and he does it anyway. It was like, it was like I don't know, man. It seems kind of weird. How do I know that you don't have cancer or all kind of other stuff? And he lets him know straight up. Like, there's no no way I can imagine this is anywhere near safe, anywhere close to it. Nope. But I'm your friend, and I went in there. And, and I'm alive. And I'm alive. And, 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 and it also works with that curiosity, mm-hmm. you know, that in like intellectual people like those characters yeah. would have. Like, yeah. they would fuck it up just to, to, to find it. out more, yeah. To get it. Yeah. Uh, which I really love. The other thing I really loved about this movie, story aside, was mm. the fucking editing. editing. Yeah, I think the editing was phenomenal. It was. Uh, in terms of just like the moment the f- when they activate the time machine for the first time, mm. where it's like it's, we have that weird cut where it cuts to black and then Abe wakes up in his living room. Yeah. Uh, that was the first indication. I was like, oh wait, that, something's fucked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, like those tiny little moments, and then he wakes up, and we get getting like jump cuts between him talking on the phone mm. from one angle, looking at a different wall, and then from another angle, him looking at the door, like mm. he's about to leave, and it just keeps jumping back and forth. Yeah. And what that told me is just like, oh, this is like this is two timelines. Yep. This is one two timelines being disconnected from each other. Yeah. And so this Abe exists somewhere else, and this, and this one exists, but we're following this one. Yeah. But they want us to know that this one exists as well. Yeah. 
So we get all that sort of like discordant editing, mm-hmm. which works really well for the movie. We get a similar example of that when they're searching, they're chasing the Thomas Granger, the dad. The dad, yeah. We see glimpses throughout that entire night of Abe already going through the alley, yep. which makes us think that Abe is the one hiding something. Mm-hmm. But then when they reveal what happens, how do we get to that point, we realize that it's Aaron, the one that's hiding something. And it's just a really good reveal done with really clever editing. Yeah. That was one of the best best scenes in, in the movie. Yeah, I mean, just just because you, for me at least, just because the timelines just crashing together all at once. Yep. You know, it's like, how do you get to that point? Well, if it's the same people, you have to have done it at some point. You right. know, so it's like with Abe seeing Abe seeing himself. Well, no, Abe didn't see himself. We just seen a flashback of Abe running around the uh, the houses, right, and yeah. then we that was like, how do we get to that point? Well, we're about we're about to we're about to yeah. and 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 so like we get to, we get to see that, but we also get to see flashbacks of like. The Aaron being, you know, hoisted up the alley. And so mm. all of that is misdirection to think that Abe is the one doing it. Yeah. When then they reveal that it's Aaron the one doing it and some clever editing. And then yeah. Aaron explains all that's happened with the syringe and then whatever the fuck. Oh, shit. You know, it's another thing that they, they toss out there in that um, when uh, a- Aaron, Abe, and the wife are, mm-hmm. are there talking about what would you do with unlimited resources. Mm-hmm. And then she tells him, she was like, for the final time, really, can you get some exterminators up here? And that's like a running theme through the movie about right. the exterminators. And it's like. there's stuff in the attic. Right? Yeah, it's like, oh, there's rats in the attic. Or no, it's just, it's just birds. And then the, the other two friends, they've kind of. Uh, excluded, you know, from the group for a while, and it was like, uh, yeah, he said he had to get the exterminator out here. It's like I haven't seen anything out here except for geckos. You know, what's he need the exterminator for? It's like I think it is for the geckos. You know, and then later in the movie, we found out this is not geckos, birds, or rats. It's the other version of Aaron yeah. up inside the attic, drugged up. I didn't even put that together. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Oh, that was really yeah. I did not even. Put those two and two together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, because yeah. then at the end, you know, it's like you finally get to see him just trying to get out of the attic. Right. You know, and each time is just drugging his ass up, throwing him up there in the attic, and then just not having to worry about the the uh, causality right. issues. Because yeah. he, he doesn't he goes like the human body can last. Like he goes through this whole cycle mm-hmm. about like how to keep someone alive. Yeah. Like, how much oxygen? How much water? Yeah. So, so that's why I'm like, how much? Like, why well, we have to agree with you about being the protagonist? Because like you said, by definition, how much a person has changed. Yeah. And after he's willing to do all of that, you know, with the limited space of that one box, two boxes, you know, mm-hmm. that he was able to make, and now building an entire warehouse, mm-hmm. like there's no telling like the the terrible things that he's willing to do at this point. Well, the interesting thing is that there were four time machines. Yeah, it was true. Yeah. There were there was the original one, there was a fail safe one that yep. Adam built secretly. There yeah. was the other one that they built together. Together, yeah. And then there was one ex like another one that Aaron kept secret. I think. Yeah, a hidden one, yeah. So he kept two secrets and they made two together. Yeah. And, and and then he put the dad in one of them, kept the failsafe one alive, and yep. then went along with Abe on whatever the fuck was happening. Mm. Fucking confusing. Yeah, confusing man. as this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it works. The yeah. ethic, the the ethics uh, of the movie work. The mm. characters work. The the protagonist, like relationship with himself works. Yeah. Because yeah. the whole movie, we see Abe, li- uh, Aaron listening to the ta- to the like the earpiece. Yeah. earpiece the yeah. entire movie. Well, uh, from the beginning. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. He's got the, that earpiece from the beginning of the movie. The, yeah, that version of him does, mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. So like, the version of him that becomes the Aaron that gives him the yep. earpiece, Yep. Uh, he's always got the earpiece on. Yep. And we hear the earpiece through the beginning monologue of the movie, Yeah. but we don't realize that that's what the Aaron is listening. I thought it was a phone message. Me too, I didn't know what it was. Yeah, yeah. I thought, like, past Aaron called future Aaron, mm-hmm. or, like, future Aaron called past Aaron left a phone message. Yeah. And then when you realize, like, oh. Yeah. 
that Aaron knew what was happening the entire time. Yeah, yeah. What a bitch. <laughs> what, what, I, what I liked about that is just like, because I was questioning, um, so like if you know the things that are going to happen, but there's still that kind of um, yin-yang or not even that, like the flip of a coin. You know, yeah, it's like variability. Yeah, yeah, variability. Yeah. So it's like, and they and they showed that with him playing a basketball game. Right. You know, because like the same thing I was saying, like a heads or tails. You know, if it comes up heels, then you get heads, you get this reaction. Tails, you get this reaction. Right. So he goes to play basketball, and then uh, he's letting Abe listen listen to it to mm -hmm. see what's going on. And the one that Abe was listening to in the conversation, he's like, "Oh, nice shot, yada yada yada." But then in the reality, he shot it, and then he missed it, and then the conversation changed. You know, differently. Mm -hmm. You know, he started talking shit to him about how that's a terrible shot, and then Aaron. He has to find a way to get the conversation back on track to, you know, fit his agenda right. to get him back talking, you know, with those responses. And that's that's where the movie gets really dark for me with him saying, you know, when you think being paranoid and knowing you should be paranoid mm -hmm. is just a person that's just going through and manipulating, every, manipulating, choreographing everything is just almost robotic now how are you how are you saying like you can put a, a quarter inside of a person and then get a response from them yeah. it's like they this human being has a bit set a, a set of amount of responses that they can give you according to anything that you do you know and this i, I don't so know now you gotta find the one that you gotta find the thing yeah. it would be like if i'm get up to go to the bathroom and then you don't say go have fun and right. then i gotta i mean ha have fun then i gotta go back in the future five more times until you actually do it say, have fun. Yeah. <laughs> which leads to the question how many times that Aaron go back yeah. <laughs> to get all the variables to fit the way that he wanted to. Exactly. And Abe asked that same question. It's just like, how many times did he do it? One, four. Was it one, yeah. four times? Did yeah. he do it? I assume the fifth one was the one, but like you never really know. And he always said it, it, it would, and that's, I think that might be why the uh, the death happens in the end. Kind of, he was like, it, it would sit well in my mind if I knew it was just one more time. Right. If I could just, if I knew that it was one more time, then I would be fine with it. So it's like, I'm guessing that there was no way to be able to go back in time and to make every single step along the way fit perfectly. Right. And it creates like alternate versions of the yeah. events. And, yep. and one of those, Rachel died, yep. I guess. Yeah. Because I know that Aaron mentions that they should go back. Do you want to go back further so that you can save Rachel and we can both have a happy family? Yeah, yeah. He was joking, but yeah, still, yeah. Right. Well, yeah. he wasn't joking. He was trying to hurt Abe. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, true. It was at the true. ending. He was yeah. like trying to sting Abe. True. Because um, Abe didn't want to fuck around with the timelines anymore. Yeah. And, and and so that that's like the climactic confrontation, and I think that's I don't know that's like an Aaron exists that doesn't know about the time machine, and mm. then an Aaron exists that knows about the time machine and is building a time machine in yep. France. Yep. And so it's like, well, what happens to that now? Like, what's the you know the resolution of that? Yeah. What's the like the causality problem? Will they ever run into each other? Like like the movie asks a lot of questions. That a good movie should make you think like what happens. These characters have a life after the movie, mm -hmm. and I think that this movie did that very successfully. Oh yeah, like you just want to know what happened after the movie ended. Yeah, um, the editing, like I said again, was absolutely gorgeous. Yep. Uh, but my my one of my favorite things was the composition. Okay. The for the camera shots, like, yeah. it was very low budget movie. The lighting wasn't complicated. At some point, the shots were so grainy you could barely see them. I like that a lot. Yeah. I liked it too. Like when they were off by the uh, the fountains with the flashlights. Yep. Super grainy, but it looked dope. Yeah. It, it did look great. And a, a quick scene in there, um, a quick dialogue. It's like, what are we doing out here anyway? It was like, it's like, yeah, I hope we don't even fucking find that cat. You know, screw the cat. It's like, what are we out here doing then? It was like, well, the wife worries about the cat, so we're out here looking. That's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it sounds like a throwaway line mm -hmm. at first, but when you realize what's been happening with the timelines, that's what you do. Yeah. You're just supposed to do it. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh so like the cinematography and like the composition of the camera angles yeah. they did a lot of those like 
they're flat space shots, mm. but there's different depths happening in the background. So okay. like uh, when they're at the beginning of the movie, when they're in the coffee, the kitchen table, yeah, and the the wife is in the background in the ki- in the kitchen, yep. But then there's a door that connects the kitchen and the living room, mm. the door. And so there's one shot where we see them at the table, then we see uh, the wife at the kitchen, and then we see her move to the living room saying bye to someone. Mm. But the shots the same. Yeah. And there's just so much happening dynamically between foreground, midground, and background. Yeah. That uh, I can't imagine. You know, like like it, it, it takes some planning. Oh yeah. To do that, and I, and they did it really well, and we see a lot of shots like that. Uh, like in, in the garage, we see one of those. We see one of them in the, like in the rooftop, mm. looking down at the car. Like the composition was really, really good. Yeah. For you know being as low budget a movie as it was. Yeah. The planning that they must have taken to make sure that they didn't waste that film stock to make sure that they got the action that they wanted, mm. like all of that just makes me appreciate the movie on a technical level so much more, so much more than if it had been sort of like, you know, like just shot digitally and they had yeah. they had limited time to do that <laughs> my phone uh we good now yeah so like i i i just really appreciate the technicality of like getting all those composition shots oh, done yeah. right yeah and then the shots where you see aaron and abe and then you see the duplicate aaron and abe like that had to be some really careful editing oh yeah because it can break the illusion that they're here and there like the continuity has to be really good yeah all of that stuff so like shane what's the fuck's his name shane caruth shane caruth yeah uh, props to you on the editing. Yeah. You fucking brilliant man. <laughs> yeah, man. Like I said, he did some work on Ghost Story and loved the editing on that too. So, yeah. I mean, yeah it's and, but, but, and then also there was one shot that reminds me of Ghost Story now that you say it. You mm. know when they, they go in the time machine for the first time? Yep. And then Abe gets out and then he goes back to oh, check on... Oh, he slumps on, up against the wall? What do you, which well, part? Well, he, he's like, the, the first time that Abe and Aaron go in together, yep. Abe gets out of the loop first. first and he yep. appears first. Mm. And then checks he wakes his watch. up. Yep. Checks his watch. He's in his underwear. Checks his watch. Yep. And then it's like, it was a couple of minutes. I needed to trust the math. And then goes back, checks Aaron's corner, yep. then walks back to his corner. The camera does a subtle little pan to oh, the yeah. of Aaron's corner. Yep. And then Aaron shows up again and the camera pans down. Yeah. Oh, that was nice. Such Seriously, cool yeah. And it remind now that you said that he edited a ghost story, it mm. reminds me a lot of the type of editing that ghost story mm. was doing with the time loops yeah. and all that stuff. So, huh. yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't, like, like, do you know what you're doing when you're editing, Shane? Yeah, he does. I'm talking to him like I fucking know him. Hey, we can have him on the show. <laughs> like, uh, I, think, I think the movie being an ultra low budget, it was $7,000 mm. in 2004. Yeah. To make this successful a movie? Yeah. Insane. Oh I mean, yeah, that's some real talent going on in that writer directing head. Definitely of so. His. And editing, he writer directed and edited this. Yeah. Show. So I don't know. I, I think it's it's. Uh, what would you give this movie? Um, I, I one out of ten. I'm going seven five. Seven five. Yeah, it's like I love the script. Like I mean, it's drawn me to it. I love science fiction. Um, I mean, I like the movie a lot, but like I said, it's just it's not something that is very easily digestible, and. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's very, very convoluted. So, I mean, it's like I like the movie a lot. I've seen it four times, and I'll watch it again. And anyone that is very much into science fiction, highly recommend that you watch the movie. You know, but yeah, like a 7, 7.5. 7.5? 7. I yeah. think I agree with that. I'm going to give it a 7.5 too. Yeah. I think technicality-wise, it's mm. amazingly well done. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's done with such a low budget, and it still mm. managed to get really high-concept themes out there and get yeah. them out there successfully. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and explore the ideas of like accidental science and mm. ethics and personality changes and abuse of power and all of yeah. that very successfully. 
Um, but again, the movie is convoluted as fuck. Yeah. And it's hard to follow, mm-hmm. like, in terms of, like, not hard to follow as in, like, oh, you're an idiot for you don't get no, it. It's huh. just legitimately hard S- to follow. Seriously, yeah. It's there, a lot of the information just kind of goes missing, mm-hmm. or it doesn't go missing, but it, they just kind of skip over it in the attempt that it'll catch back up when the next loop, and then you then it goes, it's weird. It, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it it's hard to follow. Yeah. But 7.5 for me. I really, really, really like this movie. Me too. And I think that if you're into sci-fi and you want to make your own low-budget sci-fi, this is a movie to learn a lot from. That's that's something. I mean, and, and just like earlier, if you were here for the opening, like I said, I seen Dunkirk. It gave that an 8 out of a 10. Yeah. Don't ever want to see the movie again. Right. Seen this movie, it's 7.5 out of 10. I'm recommending that you watch it, and I would like to see this movie again. Yeah. You know, I could so. watch this movie probably like six more times mm. and just uh, like get something new out of it every time I watch it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's a fantastic movie. Yeah. 2004, won a big lot of awards. Yeah. Uh, that's the reason it won so many awards. Definitely it's so. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I have no more to say about it. Same? You? No. Cool. All right. So we're going to cut and then we're going to talk about television and movie premieres. Yay. Woo. Oh, yeah. Uh, welcome back to the Film Site Podcast, everybody. Welcome back to television and movie premieres, everybody. <laughs> well, listen, fuck you. You know the drill. Welcome back. Television and movie premieres. Chris, go for it. Yes. God damn it. Uh, this I'm week, doing so fine. <laughs> this week in uh, television and movie premiere is starting uh, Tuesday, February the 20th through Monday, February the 6th. Uh, the first thing is Friday, February the 23rd on a short week. Uh, Mute is coming out. It's a sci-fi thriller nice. on Netflix. I'm excited for that. Me too. That was uh, Wait, that's not John Krasinski. Is that Krasinski? No, no it's, it's the, the guy, that, uh, the creator of Moon. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, source, yeah. Co- uh, Duncan Jones. Duncan Jones. Yeah. Create a moon and source code, which you liked a lot. I still haven't got to see yet, but I hear that's good. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't watch Source Code. Oh, no, shit! The there was a movie that was similar to Source Code called Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, I've seen Edge of Tomorrow. Premise. I've okay. seen Edge of Tomorrow, not yeah. Source Code. Okay. Well, I got to see Source Code. I heard that was good too. Uh, but yes, yeah, uh, Friday, February the twenty third. Mute is a sci fi thriller on Netflix. The latest sci fi feature from writer director Duncan Jones from uh, Source Co- Code and Warcraft is a Netflix exclusive set in the future of Berlin. Uh, Justin Thoreau was in it. Uh, Paul Rudd. Is it Justin? Justin Thoreau. Thoreau. Okay. Uh, he is um, Jennifer Aniston's former fiance. Or former boyfriend? I don't think I know his face. I have to Google him. He, he was in a show. Oh, nope. No, well, shit. I might. Maybe. Uh, Mulholland Drive. He played a young... He was the youngest person in Mulholland Drive. Short hair. Dark. Dark short hair. Oh, was he the... One of the... He came in when... Um, diner dreams? Like, he had the dream of the diner? May... Nah. Shoot. But yeah, if you, if you pull up his face, like, I remember the... You'll, you'll remember him. Oh, this okay. fucking guy. Yeah, he looks a lot different when he's younger, though. Yeah. Like, in, uh, in Mulholland Drive. Like, that's, like, 20 years ago, I guess. Oh, but, yeah. interesting. But, yeah. Uh, and Jennifer Anderson, first thing that comes up. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Justin <laughs> Thoreau. The, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Nah, the, yeah, that's him. There you go, with the glasses. That's, that's him. him. Yeah. 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 Mulholland Drive. Justin Thoreau. This is the girl. All right. Yeah. Stop it. Stop it. Don't give a fuck. There we go. Give me his face. This is riveting commentary. Oh, yeah. Let me see. Let me get into it. There he goes. Oh, okay, okay. That guy. God, he was handsome when he was young. I mean, they they still say he's handsome. You got to see him with the shirt off. (laughs) 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 He was in a show called um, The Leftovers, uh, season one through three, which I loved, which became a complete shit show in season three. So not recommended. Don't watch that shit. But uh, Justin (laughs) Thoreau, he's he's in this new, um, new, what is this, a movie? Uh, Yeah, he's in this new, let's see, latest sci-fi director. Right, we're just talking about me. Yeah, is that a movie? 
Yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, so it's a movie. It's going to be on Netflix. Uh, Justin Theroux and Paul Rudd is going to be in it. So, Paul check Rudd. it out. I like Paul Rudd. Me too. I uh, say he describes it as a Blade Runner influenced uh, spiritual sequel to his debut, Moon. Okay, interesting. Uh, that that should actually be fascinating. Like, I mean, I'm into that. I'll yeah, watch that. I'll yeah, check I'll that watch out. The show that for that. Uh, so that's that's Friday, February the 23rd. Uh, the next thing in the last of our two is coming on Monday, February the 26th. Uh, the first one is Final Space. It's an animation comedy on TBS at 10:30 p.m. I yeah, I know about that. I know about that. Uh, we're uh, Finish the thing. Yeah, it's a <laughs> Conan, Conan O'Brien produced animated sci-fi comedy uh, created by YouTube star Olin, Olin, Rogers. Olin Rogers. Tells a serialized story about an imprisoned spaceman and his mysterious alien sidekick. Yeah, I, I'm writing a, like I wrote the pilot pitch to an animated comedy. Mm-hmm. And we, one of the people that we asked advice from was Olin Rogers because oh, nice. he has that show coming on. Yeah. And uh, so, like, and I, I've been following Olin Rogers for like a long time. He's like a What's really he good YouTube creator. He does YouTube videos about like he just tells funny stories and he just vlogs. And then he yeah. opened up a soda parlor back where he's from, hmm. where he just like made a business where people can go hang out. Yeah. And like, he's just a really cool, genuine fucking guy. He nice. made parody skits and all that stuff. Yeah. And he has an animated TV show now, man. And I'm gonna support. I want to support the shit out of that. Hell yeah! All right. Because uh, I mean, the dude made it. The dude's working really hard at it. Yeah. He's barely like that's all he's been doing for like the last two years. He's yeah. just working on that show. Nice. He's one of the voice actors for the show too. Okay. Yeah. So like, I'm into him. It's like, and like, I know a couple of YouTuber guys that work on YouTube that mm. are not friends with him, but they've been in the same circles as him. Yeah. And he's just a fucking sweetheart of a guy. That's so, nice. Then. Yeah. I like I like hearing good people, good things happening for good people. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's really nice. So that's a final space. Conan O'Brien produced and is created by the YouTube star Olin Rogers. Yep. So check that out. It's an animation comedy on TBS of Monday, February the twenty sixth. TBS ten thirty p.m. Nice. Uh, the next thing is and the last for television is Good Girls. It's a drama on NBC at ten p.m. Uh, the rundown says, faster than you can say, Thelma and Louise, three suburban moms played by Christina Hendricks. Uh, she was the redhead from Mad Men. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Christina Hendricks. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> I like Christina Hendricks. Oh, yeah. Um, she, she's in a new show. Well, she was uh, on a show called um, uh, It Doesn't Matter. <laughs> no, it's, it's called uh, Another Period with uh, Ricky Lindholm and um, Natasha Leggero. Okay. Yeah. Uh, May Whitman, I believe May Whitman is the, is what's the name from um, Arrested Development? Um, you know what I'm talking about? The cousin or the blonde mom? Uh, the cousin, I the believe. Cousin, the curly hair cousin? I believe. I have to look that up, but I'll, I'm sure our listeners will correct this and talk shit to us soon. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Christina Hendricks, Mae Whitman, and uh, Rita uh, decide to solve their money problems by robbing a lo- local grocery store with toy guns. <laughs> so I yeah. love it. Yeah, that's on NBC. So if you have television, which I'm sure you do not, um, then you can check that out. It's yep. Good Girls on NBC 10 p.m. Nice. Uh, that's it for television movies there's three movies coming out this week um, three big movies at least is that Daniel uh, fucking Radcliffe that is Daniel Radcliffe uh, the first one is Beasts of Burden it's a rated R movie 89 minute runtime, listed as an action crime drama, th- drama thriller mm-hmm. uh, says uh, Sean Hagerty only has an hour to deliver his illegal cargo an hour to rescue uh, reassure a drug cartel, a hitman, and the DEA that nothing is wrong. An hour to make sure his wife survives. And he must do it all from the cockpit of his, what is it, Cessna? What is a Cessna? C-E-S-S-N-A? 
Yeah, I don't know what that is. I reckon it's a plane. As some kind of rich people thing. Yeah, no, yeah I reckon it's a plane. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. So, it, so it's like a, it's an 89 minute runtime movie. So it's supposed to all take place like within a one hour time frame, basically. So it's an hour to get drugs to to some people, an hour to reassure the drug people that he's getting it from, and a hitman that's trying to kill someone, and the that government. That sounds like a clusterfuck. It's a big clusterfuck. It sounds like a huge. See, my that, I hate that description because it just makes me want. Well, is it an hour for everything, or is it an hour for each thing? I, th- I think it's one hour for for all of it. You have one hour to do all of that. But wouldn't it be funny if it's just like, all right, got one hour to deliver the cargo. All yeah. right, got one hour to rescue my girlfriend. Yeah. All right, got one hour to reassure the DA. Got one hour to reassure my wife. <laughs> then you just see him sitting down with his wife. No, honey, I'm telling you, one full hour of movie runtime. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, I guess. So, what do you want to have for dinner? <laughs> it's just like it. Fifteen minutes, and she's still like not reassured. <laughs> <No>. Start sweating. <laughs> what was that? Um, the episode of um of Rick and Morty with Meeseeks, and it has had to do so many things. And then Meeseeks like, oh, I'm a bit of a stickler, Meeseeks. <laughs> he spends so much time and still not gonna work. <laughs> I love it. I, I want to watch it because it's Dan Radcliffe. Yeah. And I love Radcliffe a lot. Yeah. I don't know, like maybe the movie's good. Mm. But what the fuck is that description? Yeah. That sounds like a clusterfuck. It does. Yeah, the best Daniel Ratcliffe name in the movie is Beast of Burden. That's out this weekend. Uh, next is Annihilation. It's rated R. It's an adventure, drama, fantasy, horror, mystery, science fiction, thriller. That, stop. Go fuck you yourself. You know what I said about the people Get two things. You get two things. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with this on the movies. When you're describing a movie, you get two things. Anything like a tertiary. if you want to push it. You getting a little pushy there. Like, what is a tertiary description of a movie going to do for you anyway? It's like, if it's a drama... And science fiction, then that's what it is. Right. If if you put comedy as like the third thing, then it's not a lot. It's not a comedy. It is not. It a is comedy. not a comedy. It's like it's kind of like the first two are kind of um, interchangeable. Yeah. You know, drama, science fiction. If it's a drama, science fiction, then it could be a science fiction drama. Right. It could be either one of those. But the tertiary thing, it cannot be the thing. Yeah. No, might as well not even be listed. Nope. So you <laughs> get two when you make a movie. You get two genres. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Stick with it. Nobody gives a fuck. I You're not that. that important as a filmmaker. I agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so, see, um, the rundown is a biologist signs up for a dangerous secret expedition where the laws of nature don't apply. All right. Fuck. Oh, I know sweet. what this movie is. It's this a, is Emily Blunt, isn't it? Uh, this was Natalie Portman. No, Natalie What the fuck? Uh, director Alex Garland yeah. and is starring Natalie Portman and Jennifer Jason Leigh. Oscar Isaac's in there, too. Uh, no, Oscar Isaac's in there. Oh, it's just not it's of a top bill. lower. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've seen the trailers for the movie. It looks good. But yeah. after seeing all these genres, it's gonna, I know it's going to be a cluster. It's a lot. Right. It's a lot. Go good. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I mean, it's, a, it's rated R. I, don't, I, don't, I, might, I might fire stick that up. No. That might be a fire stick movie. Uh, but yeah. the last uh, movie coming out this weekend is Game Night. That trailer looks so fucking stupid. <laughs> where, did, where are you seeing all these trailers at? Fucking YouTube. Oh no! See, all right. right. I can't add plug YouTube on my Xbox. YouTube, uh, YouTube Red, motherfucker. I'm not gonna pay ten dollars for YouTube, dude. Yeah, I'm I'm rich now, man. (laughs) (laughs) I I get to watch TV in my own home. I got I got YouTube Red, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon. Like, get at me, yo! I got like content coming out of my pores, man. I, even if I had the money, I would refuse to pay for YouTube. No, I understand. Yeah. I understand. But it's like, it, it, is, it is wild. Like, that's where we got into with the country. It's just like, the things that I'm doing right now, like, as a 10-year-old, that was just common. Everybody had a TV. Yep. Everybody could turn on their television and be able to watch 
ABC, CBS, you know, the regular NBC, television. Yeah, you know, everybody had regular television. And it's just like now it's like what? Most people are pretty unplugged. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, it's I like. I mean, we're, we're in Wi Fi. I mean, yeah, yeah. Wi-Fi enabled. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we went through Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, nobody's like really going to like the idiot box specifically, right, yeah. you know, to get their content. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what it is, yeah. Like nobody's going there to get their content. And um, a big reason for it, what I was noticing now that I got my idiot box uh, back is, is that um, it's not as interactive. And it's like I've been disconnected from that that kind of system for so long and now going back to it, it's kind of like the, the television is just shooting information now at you with – Kind of like with the movies that you say that you don't you don't really like that much is when a director is just smacking you with information and doesn't give you a chance to kind of uh, interact with it and right. kind of follow along with it at all. Yep. And with what we have now with with the internet and YouTube, you can you have that kind of interaction that is not you're not just being smacked in the face with the information. Yeah, you choose what to watch. You choose when to watch. You and how to interact with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like okay, I'm, I want to I want to put this in a small screen, yeah. and then I want to read the comments of this, and then I want to go search for something else while I'm doing that. Put this on. It's just you. It's just you can interact with it. It's not a forced um, interaction yep. the way that television is. I agree. It's the reason why podcasts are, I think, so popular. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, hell yeah, and the freedom of it. Like, just just listen to um some your favorite whatever on on Jimmy Fallon tonight, yeah. and then listen to your favorite whatever on a on podcast. podcast. So different, so, so much. different. Yeah, Chris D'Elia. I've been mm. listening to his podcast a lot. Yeah. Oh my god, so funny. Oh yeah, he's super funny. Hell yeah, so fucking hilarious. Yes. But it, when he goes on telly, you, you don't get any of that raw nope. funny. You no. You get, like, the process funny. Yeah. And it's like, that's it's changed the way that we, like, I don't, I used to love Jay Leno, David Letterman, and all of that, because that was the way that you got access to these stars that people are fawning over. Right. There was no Twitter. There was no anything. If you wanted to know anything about these people, it's through the late night shows and getting a, a pinch of their actual personality and talking. Yeah. But now we don't need that shit. <laughs> we have them. We have them. Yeah. Every, almost every comedian has a podcast nowadays. Too, oh yeah. So. Oh hell yeah. Yeah. But that's um. So it's gonna be game night. Game night is the last movie coming out this weekend. Game night is rated R, one hundred minute runtime. It's an action comedy crime mystery movie. The rundown is a group. <laughs> Stop it! Stop oh, yeah. it! Stop yeah. it! With the fucking descriptors. Oh yeah, they're Stop gonna do it. it. They're gonna they're gonna serve you up with everything they got. I'm sure they could have thrown like a fourth thing on there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a fifth thing on there as well. Did they say horror? In there? No, they could have. Okay, they could they have. probably could have said horror. They could have put thriller. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a crime mystery thriller. But yes, um, it's, uh, the rundown is a group of friends who meet regularly for game nights find themselves trying to solve a murder mystery. Uh, they have two directors. Uh, one of them is John Francis Daly, and the other one is Jonathan Goldstein. Uh, stars Rachel McAdams, Jason Bateman, Michael C. Hall, and Jesse Piemans. I don't know that person. I want to say that I could care about this movie. I don't. Mm. I just generally. I've seen the trailers. It just looks like so generic, like fucking like action comedy. That's not funny. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, I just have a huge problem with comedies because they like try to be like, oh, let's just have some improv and then let's the comedians yeah, figure it out. Depending. Uh, yeah. Write the jokes. D- dependent upon <laughs> dependent upon the director. Like it has to be a director that's really knows what he's doing there. Like um, 
Who's someone that that was doing uh, shit? Taika Waititi does a lot of improv in his in his comedies. And yeah. those tend to work. Uh, Larry David, he does um, his show uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm is mm-hmm. completely unscripted in the way that you would say like a reality show is unscripted. Right. You know, it's like same thing like with the Real Housewives of Hollywood and all mm-hmm. and, and keeping up with the Kardashians. It's improv and it's shitty. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you don't have you know the person over top that's basically the orchestrator of right. this improv. So it's like if you get someone that is very creative like a Larry David, you can get these semi-scripted things and then have very talented and actors. Work, yeah. 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 And then having that work but if not then it's 90% of the time it's going to be shit yeah, because it takes a certain kind of person to allow your actors mm-hmm. the confidence and the trust to yeah. them to do what you wanted with that character that you give them the ability to improvise yeah because it's still a character but mm-hmm. the freedom that you give them yeah is has to be like such a thin line between limited and reined in mm. that when you do that to a lot of comedy movies and this is the problem with a lot of generic like like broad comedies yeah. like the Kevin Hart's movies mm-hmm. For example, not singling out Kevin Hart, mm. but a lot of the Kevin Hart movies, uh, they have this environment where they just kind of like roll the camera. It's like super high lit, like mm. super well, like high, like high key, high key, yeah, yes, high, high key, key. yeah. Uh, and so like every every cut cuts together. Mm. Everyone hits their marks at the same time. Oh yeah. And then Kevin Hart just goes like, bah, 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 yeah, Bing Bang Pow. Yeah, and yeah. then just like says seven hundred jokes, mm. and they choose the one cut. That makes the joke land. Yeah, and that's it. That's a bad way to do improv comedy, I think. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I wouldn't watch an improv comedy thing from uh, Kevin Hart. But I mean, yeah, a lot, a lot of the things that, that what you do get is improv, and then they'll just edit the things that they want in. But yeah, yeah. But, yeah but but just to to say a little something nice about Kevin Hart, yeah. I heard very good things about Jumanji. Yeah, I've heard I, really I good things it. about Jumanji. Either. I haven't seen it. Yeah, but it's also one of those movies that I just say, like, I think the. Gonna sound like an asshole. Mm. I just think they're like uh, my palate is a little bit like I can't handle those movies now. No, it, no, it's like I, I, I get it because if Jumanji would have came out like if this exact Jumanji came out when I was a kid when the Robin Williams Jumanji came mm-hmm. out, then I would probably like this one just as much as I like the original right. Jumanji. Yeah. It's just I'm just kind of phased out of wanting to see that particular brand of comedy. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's what it means. But yeah, but that that is it for for television and movies this week. Lit. Hey, hey. All right, I got uh, 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 and the, pff, fucking Christ. What? What's, what's going on, man? I had a stroke. That's what happened. Oh, shit. <laughs> I was going to say that I had to pee, and then I was going to like, no, don't say that. Just do the outro, and then I started to do the outro, and then I short-circuited. All right. That's what happened. Uh, anyways, you can- <laughs> thank you guys for watching. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at the underscore FFS podcast. You can find us on Facebook at the FFS podcast. Yes. You can find us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play Music app, iTunes podcast app, mm-hmm. and Stitcher under the name uh, for film's sake. I think yeah. I said Stitcher twice, but whatever. My Twitter handle is at Brian Archija. I'm at a T-H-A underscore V-O-N-Z. Hey. hey. And uh, that's it for today's episode. We will see you next week. Yep. Uh, did, I, did I miss something? No, no, no. Go ahead. I, I want to try something right after we finish, though. Okay. And I'll see you next week. All righty. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs>